Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and as always, we've got a great show for you, uh, always live here on the blogtalkradio.com network every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central, and I'm really excited. We're getting close to uh, another wrapping up another season, and uh, I always look forward to having a little bit, a little bit of time off. Uh, it's about the only time when I actually get it is through the holidays, so I take it when it comes. Uh, just to give everybody a reminder, um, our last show of this season for Golf Talk Live is going to be December 16th. Uh, that'll be the last show, and I'll, of course, have Coach's Corner, and uh, I'm not sure who the guest is going to be that week, but um, that'll be the last show for this season. And then we'll be firing up again uh, with the show February 10th. Now, Coach's Corner, of course, doesn't always uh, start until March, but I'll have some good guests uh, coming on early in the season in February. So I'm going to take an extended break from the 16th of December until the first show in February 10th of 2022. So I'm looking forward to that and um, getting a little bit of rest and relaxation. All right, I've got a great uh, show for you this evening. We're going to be joined here in just a, a second or two with uh, three great uh, professionals uh, here in the Coach's Corner panel. And a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by the co-founders of uh, Gator Golf, uh, Scott King and Lyle uh, Weisinger, he's uh, both or both of them are going to be joining me a little bit later on the show. But let me introduce uh, this evening's uh, special guests on Coach's Corner. First up is John Decker, uh, Director of Instruction at the Medallion Club in Columbus, Ohio. He's also a senior editor and top 25 instructor at Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, previously, he had been a head instructor uh, some time ago at the Grand Cypress uh, Academy of Golf in Orlando, and he was named the uh, Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year in 2015. He's also an author of Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which, of course, includes a Bible study. And he's also available for public speaking, so you might want to reach out to him as well, and he'll tell you how to do that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, also joining on the panel tonight is Tim Kramer. He's a visionary peak performance mind coach, president and founder of Peak Performance Mind Coaching, a program utilizing innovative and pioneering mind coaching techniques. And he's also a contributor, uh, contributing editor uh, with Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, and rounding out is, of course, my good buddy Clint Wright, a uh, 30-plus year member of the PGA, uh, one of the partners at TGM Golf, and who are the big proponent of the R3 approach, uh, and considered uh, certainly by me and many others to be one of the best covering the short game today, and uh, always a favorite uh, having him here on Coach's Corner. So, uh, John, Tim, and Clint, thanks guys for uh, joining me tonight in Coach's Corner. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. 
All right, appreciate it. All right, we're going to start. Um, we're going to talk about a, a, a practical guide, if you will, put together a practical guide for our golfers out there and helping them to break 90. Um, there's a lot of different ways of doing it, and we're going to talk about some of the areas because uh, this seems to be something that stymies most people uh, when they get out. Uh, some even have difficulty breaking 100, but we're going to try to help those that have gotten down into the 90s uh, sort of get over that next hurdle uh, and become uh, an above-average golfer. And right now, for a, an average 18-hole score, is somewhere right around 90 or slightly higher uh, for many. It's a good percentage of it. And then you get your next group that are shooting in the 80s and then, of course, uh, beyond. So we're going to focus on that 90 group because that seems to be where a lot of people get stuck. And there's a number of different things that we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to give you just a heads up on what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the score breakdown and mindset, setting a new par. We're going to talk about that. Obviously, course management. We're going to talk about the tee shot, how we can set up approach shot as well. Uh, Chipping and pitching and putting, of course, are going to be on there. The mental side. And then some of the benefits of uh, engaging uh, online with, uh, with your golf instructor, some of the advantages uh, of doing that. And obviously, we're going to focus on some uh, areas of practice as well. So, John, I'm going to start, uh, or actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you uh, just a, a sort of a, an overview of what I was talking about with the score breakdown and mindset. Uh, typically, for the majority of courses, uh, fall around as uh, par 72 and a breakdown as follows. Uh, so typically we have uh, four par fives, four par threes, and ten par fours generally for most courses. It can vary slightly, but that's typically what most golf courses uh, fall into. Again, an overall par of uh, 72. Um, but something interesting uh, that I was reading a while back, and uh, Earl Woods, the late Earl Woods, of course, is Tiger Woods' father, um, he would uh, continue to look at Tiger's scorecard and create a new, a new par for Tiger uh, for each hole. So, uh, for an example, par threes would now become par fours. Uh, all par fours would become par fives, and par fives would now become a par six. Uh, still in that formula, uh, reaching a, a 90 uh, score if you parred uh, every single one. So, what I want to do is I want to start sort of from the beginning, and that would be the tee shot. And, John, I want to start with you. Um, I'd like for you, if you wouldn't mind, talk about, first off, the importance of getting off to a good start with your tee shot and talk about positioning what you're looking for off the tee and how to capitalize maybe some different options uh, that you might want to consider uh, hitting off the tee depending on the level you currently are at. So maybe you can kind of give us a general overview of the tee shot, what to look out for, what we should be focusing on, and how to really increase success off the tee. Well, Ted, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And Clint and Tim, I look forward to being on tonight with you and discussing um, tonight's subjects. Um, The the tee shot is the most important shot in golf because it's the one that gets you started. If you can't get the ball in play, uh, you're you're not going to be able to make uh, bogeys, pars, birdies, uh, because if you're hitting the ball out of bounds or you're topping it or popping it up, it really makes it difficult. So learning, you know, that's the one thing that you want to be able to do is have a club that you can get the ball in play. So, um, you know, most people it's obviously going to be their driver, and everyone wants to get more distance, you know. So it could start with making sure that you have the right, right loft on your driver, making sure that you have enough loft. That's a lot of – 
people who, a lot of my students who shoot in the 90s and hundreds who have drivers that don't have enough loft. So that's one of the first things. And it may not be a driver. For some of you, it may be a three wood uh, that, that you feel most comfortable with. But having the ability to get the ball in play is the first step. And then the second thing that you really want to focus on is making sure that you know the proper sides of the tee box to tee up on. So, for example, if you stand up on a on a hole and there's trouble to the left, then you want to tee it up on the left-hand side of the tee box. Um, so uh, often when I'm out doing playing lessons with students, I'll take them to a hole that has trouble on one side or the other, and it's, I'm amazed how many of my students will choose the wrong side. And I usually will let them go ahead and do it, and then I'll then I'll go and, and explain to them the reason. And and it's important when the trouble is to the left by getting on the left hand side of the tee box, it allows you to aim more down the right hand side. So teeing up on the left hand side of the tee box will open up the right side of the golf course. Anytime you tee up on the right hand side of the tee box, it's going to open up the left hand. Um, side And if you get on a hole and there's trouble on both sides, maybe there's water on one side and out of bounds on the other, then you really need to know your ball flight. If you tend to, to you know, most of your higher handicap players are going to play some sort of a slice. Uh, so they're, they're going to be uh, teeing up more on the right-hand side. Uh, so those are important aspects, you know, that, that you want to make sure that you're, um, you know, focusing on when you're playing the game. But the tee shot you know, is so important so that when that if you can't get the ball in play, obviously the game's impossible uh, to play uh, if you can't get off to a good start. So it's very important that you, you know, have a lot of confidence with your driver. Um, and then what I would encourage the, all the listeners out there to do is when you're on the driving range and you're practicing, don't just mindlessly hit drivers. Actually picture holes uh, on your golf course. Pretend that you're playing the first hole. And, and aim at a tree and kind of maybe pick a flag or something, you know, and say, okay, I'm, this hole goes from right to left, and I'm going to aim at that flag and try to draw the ball to that, to that tree. Or it could be the opposite, you know, maybe it's a, a left to right, and you would want to play more of a fade. So those are, those are things that you are, are very important um, at, at any level, but making sure that when you're practicing, you're visualizing a hole that you're, going to be playing and not just standing there and hitting drivers as far as you can. One other thing I just want to add, uh, sort of a follow-up with you, John, and just on something you said, you know, obviously there's going to be situations where you may find yourself uh, with trouble on both sides of the fairway. Really the optimal play is you want to get the ball into play. So driver might not be the best option off the tee if you have a lot of trouble out there. Um, particularly on both sides. So you might want to scale back, and as you said, either a three-wood or maybe even a hybrid might be a better play just to keep you in position off the tee, correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, you want to make sure that you have a, a go-to club that you can get the ball in play and know that you can get the ball in play. When I was playing competitively on the mini tours, mine was my three-wood. I, I had a lot more confidence in getting my three-wood into play for the average golfer, uh, it might be uh, it might be a five wood or a seven wood uh, or a hybrid. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if you don't feel comfortable uh, on a hole, sometimes you come up into a hole that you just don't like. Uh, you know, like you said, you've got to get the ball in play first. So sometimes it's worth giving up a few yards to make sure and accomplish goal number one, and that's to get the ball in play. Well said. Um, Clint, I'm going to hop to you next because I think this one's going okay. to fall right into your wheelhouse. And that's, the, that's the approach shot. So John's talked about some ways of helping the player get in position 
off the tee. Mm-hmm. Um, again, obviously, depending on the level of play and the length of the hole, um, approach, uh, there may not be an approach shot. It may be an approach to an approach shot. But uh, nevertheless, right. talk about that. How should a, a player look at that, especially somebody that wants to break 90? What are some, maybe you could point mm-hmm. out a couple of the common mistakes and what they should do uh, for somebody that's trying to break 90, what they should be, how they should be approaching their approach shots. Right. Well, I think it plays into just what John was saying. Is it, you know, I, I take a little different approach to it. Is it uh, not totally different, but I try to get a person to start. If they're really trying to, trying to lower their score and not just go out on the course and hit home runs all day, if they really want to lower their score, they need to start thinking from the green back to the tee. Uh, where do I want to play my third shot from if I can't get it on the green? What tee shot will give me the best chance of being able to get my next shot down there? And, and that, that folds into what John said. You've got to get it in play. You know, technically, from a standpoint of play, you have 18 necessary shots to hit a tee ball. Because once you put out on number one, you're not in play. The tee shot on number two is a, is a necessary shot to put you back in play wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. So I, I encourage people to think about if you want to break 90 is you have necessary shots and then you have variable shots. So the variable shots is what you're talking about now is where am I going to play that variable number shot from? And I'll try to get people to set that shot up from the tee box all the way to the next shot. So if they start looking at where they're going to play the variable shot from, and in our case, we talk a lot about the third shot. Where are you going to play the third shot from? Well, you need to be thinking about your tee ball. Well, where do I just need to get? I don't need to hit the home run. I need to get it down, you know, 200 yards off the tee, you know, in play where I can advance my next one down another 180 yards. I'm not, my chance of getting it on the green may be slim. I may not be able to hit it that far. Uh, so I want to start playing for my third shot all the way back to the tee. So the idea of how you're going to hit that approach shot actually originates from the green back, and it also then originates from the tee, like John said, of where you're going to play that tee ball to set up your approach to the approach shot, the variable shot. Mm-hmm. You see, on a, on a par four, there's two necessary shots, number one, number two. So the variables now come three, four, and five. So how, if you're going to go from 95 to 90, really the only place you can eliminate strokes is in those variable shots because you've got to hit a tee ball. You've got to hit a second shot. There's no, no ifs about it around it. So you get down to those variable shots, the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth shots, are the only place you can really reduce your score because the, the number one and number two are necessary shots. You have to hit them. You can't reduce T-balls. There's 18 of them. So there's no place there for you to lower your score. So if you can get that T-ball down the fairway, like John's talking, in play, then you're trying to set yourself up to be able to play those variable shots the best. What side of the green do you want to be on? Can, do you have enough control over your shot to say, well, the best approach on this par three for me is maybe I can't get it on the green. I just don't want to be to the left. So as John says on that shot, get your proper side of the tee box to give the right side of that hole more of an opening. Okay, so sometimes we there's holes that, that I play that I, I know I can't really get it on the green. It's a long par three. 
you know, it's 240 yards, I'm hitting a driver, you know. So, you know, I take my hybrid out and, and bump it up in front of the fairway. You know, I hit it in front of the, in, on the proper side of the green to give myself a best chance of hitting a good pitch to have a putt at making a par. Worst scoring makes a bogey. So John's correct, get it in play, but my approach to it is, is you start trying to set up that approach shot or the variable shot from the green back, but then the tee ball is how you, in the second shot, sets the variable shots up to be the easiest possible shots you can have. Well said. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think, yeah, I think you have to, you have to look at it as where, where do you want to be? What's your position and how do you get there? So once you understand where it is you need to be for that approach shot, as you said, you can work back from the green to the tee. And I think that helps you make more informed decisions off the tee. Because again, you can't, as you said, there's 18 tee shots, so you can't change those. You can't save strokes there, but how you play them can make a difference in how you set yourself up for the shots that follow. Um, Tim, I want to bring you in here, and this really falls in, yeah, you want to fall into um, really strategy or course management. And this is an area, too, that I know when you work with some of your players that you want to really emphasize and focus. And this, what both John and and Clint just talked about really falls into that. Um, Just give us an overview. Again, you're, you're talking about players who are struggling to break 90, um, we've discussed some of the shots here that, and, and some of the positions that they need to get themselves in. But mentally, what are we looking at here, and how do we strategize, if you will, uh, during the round to give us the best opportunity uh, to break that 90? Yeah, it, it's a great question because that, that 90 seems to be the number, obviously, that um, – um, players who maybe are not as um, developed or, or talented or skilled or whatever seems to be the uh, the sticking number for them. I guess as a mind coach, what I've got to uh, maybe throw out is that I would love to see players get rid of that number inside of their mind altogether. <clears throat> I think what I see that happens far too often is that the stories – begin to kick in almost immediately, and they're usually not positive stories. As soon as we pump one out of bounds on the first or second hole, the mind goes right to, oh, man, here we go again. Uh, the number just got tougher. I was going to break 90. Now I don't think. And just all the useless mind chatter. And it is where I believe as a mind coach that the discipline really comes in in terms of staying in into one shot at a time. So – I love what I love what Clint and John have to say, and, and I'm in total agreement with what they have to say. But to me, the issue becomes: Can I stand there calmly, believing that I can do what it takes to do that, or am I so worried about score already that it makes it very impossible, or nearly impossible, for me to swing freely, or to put a shot, um, you know, in in the right area that I want to. I would contend that a player who's struggling to break 90 a lot of times doesn't have the physical, uh, maybe even the physical level of physical talent to find the right or the left side of the green. They are trying to keep it in play. But in terms of of really effective course management, maybe a little bit lacking. So to me, 
um, you know, again, as a mind coach, I want them just focus more on what they believe they can do to keep the ball in play and to advance it. And then, yeah, like they say, try and get into a certain area and give it the best they got. But I, I think if I think if we could help them to keep that number out of their head and the stories of what that number means for the rest of the round out of their heads, they would they would break ninety a lot quicker than when you know when all the useless chatter is going on. Yeah, it's a you know Jack Nicholas always said some of the the hardest part of golf was between was that six inches between your ears, um, you know, and it stymied some of the best players in the world. We've seen so many players who have tremendous physical talent, but yet mentally, I mean, somebody that comes to mind is Ian Baker Finch, and I mean no disrespect, I like always liked him as a player. Uh, and he always had some great ball striking, but he allowed the the mind side or mental side of his game uh, to get the better of him uh, at, at one point in his career. And it, it actually derailed his career from that point on to the point where he was really never able to recover. I'm sure he goes out and, and plays some golf still. But uh, again, from a professional level, uh, and there's been others out there over the course of time as well. So obviously that is a big proponent uh, and again, it falls in line with with the, the other two gentlemen. Uh, John, I'm going to come back to you, and, and I want to approach this a little bit differently. And we're going to talk, uh, have you talk a little bit about chipping and pitching, um, and not so much, uh, you know. Obviously, again, this falls into what Clint was talking about in a, a learning to approach the green. If you miss the the green, obviously, you might need to chip or pitch depending on the distance you are. Um, but it really boils down to technique as well. This is where I think we see a lot of amateur golfers have very poor pitching and even chipping technique maybe you could just gloss over a little bit of both um what you find uh is and one thing i want you to point out is particularly with wedges um people misunderstand the bounce uh and and don't necessarily uh use it when it's appropriate and don't really understand what the purpose of the bounce on the club is well, Ted, this is um, one of my favorite parts of the game to teach, and, you know, I had the privilege of working with Phil Rogers for, for um, about 15 years while I was at Grand Cypress, and great, one, probably one of the greatest short games, you know, top five or ten in the, in the world to ever play the game. And, and, you know, the thing that he tried to instill in all of us as instructors is that, you know, you want to teach students to keep the ball on the ground as much as possible, uh, no matter whether they're a, a 90, they're shooting, you know, 90, or they're trying to play on the PGA Tour. Uh, and that's one of the big things that I see now with young players is they all want to hit the ball high in the air. But it's much easier to play uh, when, the, when the ball is on the ground. Uh, you know, I always say, say to students, uh, if it's easier to hit the ball in the air, why don't you do it when you're on the green? You know, if you're putting, if you have a 30-foot putt, I've never seen anybody pull their lob wedge out and try to flop it in the hole. They all putt it. They keep it on the ground because it's easier. <laughs> so when you're just off the green, you know, chipping is the first thing you want you want to try to do. If you can't putt, uh, and sometimes, you, you know, when you're off the green, you can putt. But if you can't putt, then you want to chip. And chipping is a low shot that wears minimum air time and maximum roll time. And essentially what you're doing is you're putting with a lofted club. I teach a system that Phil taught me which, where you use a 6-iron, a 7-iron, 8-iron, 9-iron, and pitching wedge. And just to real briefly give you a ratio, a pitching wedge is about a 1 to 2 air time to roll time. A 9-iron is a 1 to 3 air time to roll time. An 8-iron is a 1 to 4. Uh, a 7-iron is a 1 to 5 air time to roll time. And then a 6-iron is a 1 to 6 
uh, ratio of air time to roll time. So that's the chip shot. You're just taking uh, essentially those clubs standing very close to the ball, uh, and you're you're making a putting type motion, getting the ball on the green, and then letting it run run to the hole. Pitching is more difficult uh, because you have to get the ball in the air. Um, I've always said the best way to to improve your full swing is to work on your pitching because it has the same sequence as the full swing, but it's just done in a smaller version. So, you know, I always want to teach my students to hit the low pitch first and then a medium pitch and then a high pitch. But if you de- if you can't do that, at least have a low and a high pitch. And essentially what you're doing with when you're hitting pitch shots is you're using – you're not using your pitching wedge – you're using your sand wedge or your lob wedge, depending on what you have. And when you're hitting these shots, if you want to hit the ball lower, you're essentially putting your weight more forward at setup. And if you want to hit the ball higher, you're in more of a 50-50 weight distribution, a little wider stance, and you're making a little bit more swing. So the shape of your swing, a lower backswing and a lower follow-through will produce a lower shot that runs to the hole. Uh, a higher, you know, a fuller swing back and a fuller swing through is going to produce that, you know, high shot that Phil Mickelson has kind of made famous. But that is a very high-risk, difficult shot. And so it's important that you learn to try to keep the ball down lower. It's much easier than, than hitting the high pitch. And as far as the bounce goes, bounce is your friend, just like loft. Loft is your friend, bounce is your friend. I encourage students to make sure that they get a sand wedge uh, that has bounce on it. And your local PGA golf professional can help you with that. But I like to see students with 10, 12, 14 degrees of bounce on their club so that that club, when it hits the sand or when it hits the grass, it slides and it doesn't dig. And I think a lot of students, they really get nervous when they have to hit a pitch shot over a bunker off a tight lie. By opening the face up just a little bit and letting the bounce Hit the, hit the ground, the club slides, it gives you extra loft when you open the face, and it produces a high soft shot. So the great part of the game uh, to work on and practice, to me it's a lot more fun to go out and hit those shots than to hit drivers on the driving range. And uh, if you really want to break 90, in my opinion, that's where you start. Yeah, one of the things I just want to touch on that a little bit, and the reason why I wanted you to, to mention about the bounce is a lot of times, especially on a tight lie, if it's a, if it's a fluffy, grassy lie, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. But when you're on a tight lie, uh, I think it's important for people to understand a common mistake, and I'm sure we've all seen this, where you get a player, and it might be, whether it's a pitch, even a chip shot, they'll play it way, way back, and the leading edge is pretty much um, to the point where it's, it's digging into the ground before they even swung the club. Um, so what would be a, an additional tip, John, that you might want to add to them? Where should they be playing that ball off a tight lie? Uh, again, they're going to open the club face a little bit to, to incorporate that bounce uh, that the club has, but at the same time, they don't want to play it so far back in the stance that they're going to do the same thing and, and drive that leading edge in and end up uh, hitting a, a chip shot that's, or pitch even that's just not going to go anywhere. You're, you're exactly right, Ted. I mean, if you have your hands way out in front of the ball with, and you're trying to hit a pitch shot off a tight lie, you are, you are doomed before you even swing the club back. So the setup is so critical. Uh, your weight distribution, you're not going to lean as much. If you need to hit a really high shot, um, you're not going to lean quite as much to the left. You're going to be more 50-50. You can lean a little bit to the left. I prefer to, to have uh, more of a 50-50 weight distribution Open the face just a little bit, but it's important to get the hands at least to the ball. The hands should not be in front of the ball. 
they can actually be even a little behind the ball. And the idea is when you swing the club, visualize that you're going to an ice cream shop and they're scooping the ice cream out and they're putting it in a cone for you. You want to have a release where you're almost like a scooping type motion when you're hitting these shots where you're letting the club head go past the hands. And this will allow the bounce to hit the, the ground first. If you're pulling the club down with the handle or the, or the grip, if you're pulling it down to the ball, and you have the hands forward, you're going to drive the leading edge into the ground, and the club is going to stop immediately. And you're either going to hit a ball that goes two feet or it goes, you know, 25 yards, and you're trying to hit it 10 yards. So um, it, it's important that you learn how to let the club go past the hands and let that bounce hit the ground, uh, you know, hit the ground and feel that club slide. And that's why I've always said the most important thing that you should do before you hit these shots is make practice swings and rehearse what you're doing so that you can feel, because we, if you have an uneven lie, a lot of times people practice, you know, at the driving range, but then when they go and get on the golf course, they don't have these level lies, and an uneven lie can cause mm. the club to stick uh, as well. So it's important to test the lie with your practice swings. And I'll make on a pitch shot, I might make uh, four or five practice swings before I ever hit a, hit a pitch shot until I figure out how much tilt I need you know, with my shoulders based on the lie, how much uh, swing I need to make based on the resistance of the grass. There's a lot of factors that go in to the rehearsal swing. It's not just something you do because we tell you to do it. It's something that you do that's going to help you become a better short game player. Well said. Thank you uh, for that, John. Um, Clint, we're going to tap into an area that I know that you love to talk about as well as the approach shot, and that is putting. Um uh, mm-hmm. The really great part about improving your putting is all it takes is a little, uh, just some time, obviously, to, to work on, uh, but very little, if at all, money, because most uh, golf courses have uh, practice green. You can go on there for free. You can just go up there and, mm-hmm. and work on that and spend as much time as you want. Um, but there's some key areas that, uh, again, that people need to focus on. Uh, why don't you touch on some of those and then maybe give a tip I know that you've given before Uh, to help people really dial in on their putting? Well, this is going to be very redundant. (laughs) But (laughs) as far as what we do with people, you know, I get a lot lot more uh, pleasure out of helping people break break 90 to 100 than you would the the better players. But I encourage people that are are truly wanting to lower their score, okay, as we're talking tonight, is that speed is the most important thing for them to deal with. Uh, I have run across very few people that couldn't hit a putter down a bowling alley. I mean, you know, bowling mm-hmm. alleys, what? But, and roll it down the bowling alley, and it would hit the pins. And most everybody says, oh, yeah, I can do that. I said, well, how hard are you going to hit it to get it to go? That's where they have problems. <laughs> So I get people to let's talk about you learning about pace and rhythm and, and timing of your putting stroke. Most people don't want to talk about timing, but it really is more of a sequence of events of taking the putter back and then that transition back to the ball. And that's what, you know, I try to get people to focus on the feel of what they have to do to get the ball to roll 10 feet or 20 feet or 30 feet and start developing. It's not something that's automatic. You have to develop that touch and feel in an understanding 
of what's going to happen today versus what happened yesterday. And, and that's where the thing that we've talked about before, I'm a real advocate of benchmark strokes, is that I want a player to go out and say, okay, if I take the putter back the inside of my right foot and let it go through, today the ball's going to roll so many feet. And then, a, you know, a little outside and a little bit further back. So I've got three, three positions based on where my right foot's at that I want to Those length of strokes are what I become very accustomed to. And I want to know what those benchmark strokes are going to do today for my speed control. Okay? So with that in mind, I mean, certainly we can learn to aim better and maybe read a green better. There's some final, you know, real delicate, detailed things about reading the greens. Uh, that There's a, just an uh, unbelievable amount of advice on how to read greens online and stuff. So. And, but the, the one thing that I encourage people to do there is always look at the putt from what you would consider downhill, the downhill side of a putt. Because if you think it's going to break to the left and you make the mistake of walking up to the right of it to look at it, it's going to look flat if it actually is breaking left. You're looking over the slope. So if you think it's going to move to the left, Go down to the left side of the putt and take a look. You'll be able to see the slope much better from the bottom side of the slope than you ever will from anywhere else. And so with those two things in mind, I would encourage people to go out and really concentrate on feeling the pace and understanding what their stroke does on today's greens. And then tomorrow they do the same thing. And then just a simple thing to try to figure out. Glenn, I think you're you're – breaking out a little bit here okay i'm standing still that's okay um so if you really want to get into the breaking of 90 then you're just wanting to eliminate the three pots because if you can get your third shot on each green and two pot then you shoot 90 yeah and that's that's ultimately really what we want to do yeah you're exactly right i think once you get your have the ability to get yourself in position with that third shot, um, you know, then you, again, most people would be happy even if they two-putted every green, if they can get them closer to breaking that 90. And, and I think that's part of the problem is, is people try to play uh, a lot of hero shots. And, and, and Clint, I want uh, right. to, sorry, uh, Tim, I, I want to talk about something here. Um, I, I'm going to have you do two things and that is um, talk a little bit about recovering, and this falls sort of under that course management recovery shots uh, when things go bad, uh, and then also uh, some of the benefits that you can have in today's society. We're doing a lot of stuff online. Uh, obviously, you know, us old school guys like to, uh, to get together with, with our students and things like that, but there are some uh, benefits that can be had to, to working with them online. But talk about uh, recovery shots a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, Tim, because this is something, you know, we often see, you know, as John pointed out in the beginning, maybe you hit an errant tee shot and you get into a little bit of trouble. Um, maybe that approach shot suddenly uh, isn't looking as good, and you may have to uh, make a recovery shot of some port. So in your opinion, what needs to happen um, in developing an assessment of where things are when you hit a bad shot? What do you look for? And is it sometimes better to just kind of bail out and take, play a safe shot than trying to go for it and pull off some sort of hero shot? And then I'm going to get you to talk about online uh, 
teaching? It seems to me that, that the one thing that I coach my students is that you, you, you don't want to follow up a really bad shot with another really bad shot. And so uh, if, if you're not pretty confident that you can carry something off after, say, you're in some trouble or have hit a bad shot, that's how big numbers really happen quickly is, is like you say, we call them the hero shots or whatever. So that's why I think it's much more prudent to, uh, to certainly get the ball back in play. But I guess the skill that I, I look for the most is um, just to avoid the, uh, the, the panic and the, the um, almost like the stress and to keep the emotions as stable as possible because uh, to me that's when we make the bonehead plays is when we're not in that good state of mind. And, uh, and, and again, um, I love what these guys are doing with the, the swing. I love what they're talking about with the swing, and I'm, I'm always you know, very interested in the, uh, the physical mechanics and things like that because there's certainly that part, I think, that you know, we, we, we can talk about a good mind game, and I love a good mind game, but let's face it, you've got to have some physical talent, and you've got to be able to hit a golf shot, and you've got to be able to do some things like that. Now, within the context of that, though, we have to be making some good decisions, and within the context of that, we have to have our emotions in a really good place. So from my standpoint, generally when the better players come to me, it's because their emotions, they can, my mini tour players, for example, and, and above, they can all flat out hit a golf ball, but, but keeping their emotions very stable. So when we talk about, you know, how to, um, how to, how to uh, not go to the, to the hero shots and things like that, I'm a firm believer that we have to keep the emotions stable. We have to stay uh, so much in the present moment, we, we talk about that, the one shot at a time, and yet it's really true that if you're not playing one shot at a time in something that you believe you can carry off, um, you're probably in trouble, and that's when the uh, the big numbers pop up. So, again, from the conversation, but it's tough, isn't it, guys? I mean, you, you without the physical mm-hmm. talent, without the ability to hit the shots, and without the ability to, you know, kind of like uh, – uh, it's why we really have to approach the game, I think, on all three levels, the mental, the physical, the emotional. And uh, as we do that, we get a little bit better in every area. Then we start making better decisions. We start doing it more calmly, and we certainly uh, need the physical talent in order to uh, to carry them off. So I think that's why it's such a, a wonderful game, but it's a game that requires us to uh, kind of be firing on all levels. You know, and just very quickly before we move on to the other – um, is, you know, it's amazing how many players um, in this day and age that don't hit, for an example, hit an errant tee shot. They're not really sure where it's lied, uh, where it's lying, um, and they don't even bother to hit a provisional um, and, right. and get themselves into play. I mean, it could be out of bounds. They don't know what the situation is. Instead, they think, well, I'll just whack it out. I'm sure I can get it out there. And they get up there, and, you know, they've hit it into a snake den, uh, for lack of better words, and they're, they actually would have been better just to, you know, to maybe scale back instead of hitting their driver again, maybe scale back with a three-wood or, or some other club and get it in the fairway so that if they get up there and that ball is maybe out of play or what have you. So there's a lot of things that you can do that many, many golfers just don't even think about. And that goes to really understanding the rules, what your options are, um, can make a world of difference uh, when you play it. Um, as I said, I'm going to start with you, Tim, and then, John, I'm going to get you to jump in as well um, on this topic. And, and the, the next topic I want to really cover for this, because this really does, believe it or not, affect 
um, where the future of, of the game is and so forth. And that is um, when we talk about um, online instruction. A lot of uh, many golfers, if not most golf instructors now, uh, are working on some sort of an online format. And uh, Tim, you, you've obviously found some advantages of this. What are some of the, uh, I guess, the, the positives of working with an instructor uh, in, in your level uh, online? Um, and are there things that people need to be mindful of um, when they are working with an instructor or coach online? What do they need to be mindful? So from the, from the instructor standpoint, what are some of the advantages? Um, and from a student's uh, standpoint, obviously there's some advantages as well, but what are some of the disadvantages or the things that they need to be mindful of if they're going to engage in that format? Yeah, I, I, I think that online uh, instruction has become very, very important, and I think in some ways it can be very wonderful. The advantage that I have, uh, certainly as a, as a mind game coach, is that uh, dealing with mind game concepts is very different in some ways than, than looking at a golf swing or, or uh, you know, whatever is these guys uh, work more technically and mechanically with somebody. So, so in, in a way, I have a little bit of maybe of an advantage of doing that. The thing, though, that I find is that is that, um, and, and I keep going back to this, is that uh, uh, from a lot of times I'll be working with player or whatever, and and uh, um, we'll talk about the breakdown in a, in a shot or whatever, and invariably they always come back to, uh, oh, it was something, it was something in my swing. I, I came over the top. I did this or that, and and in a way they're right. Behind every bad shot is a bad physical move. There's there's no doubt that there was a breakdown in the mechanics. My question is always, why is there a breakdown in the mechanics? Because mm -hmm. to me, without understanding um, what they were thinking, what they were feeling mm -hmm. emotionally, we never really get at the root cause of mm -hmm. why something broke down. And that's in some ways, and that's not just, that's not knocking anything to do with online coaching, but it's just saying that there is mm -hmm. a huge advantage to being uh, with somebody in front of them so that you can really tap into their, their mind and their belief system mm -hmm. so that you can begin to see why things are, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, again, we can, we, can, we can see very clearly with video um, as something broke down, the big issue to me is why. And that's uh, to me, is a real trap with online coaching. I, I don't know as if it, uh, uh, I don't know as if it, it gets into some of the root causes as, as to, uh, you know, as to the breakdowns. Mm -hmm. John, let me, let me go to you a little bit um, on this as well, because I know this is something uh, as you get ready to uh, develop more of an online presence, as well as your regular uh, teaching and coaching, um, what are some of the advantages that you found? I know that you're doing some maybe right now and, and again, going to be getting into more in the future. What are some of the potential advantages that you see? And uh, do you agree with some of the drawbacks that, that Tim has pointed out uh, potentially that we have to be mindful of uh, from the student's perspective? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yes, uh, I, I have done, um, I do online instruction and, um, and I found it to be very beneficial the, the thing that I like about it is it allows me to reach students uh, and, and I can be in a different part of the country than they are and they can reach out to me and I can retain them and, and be able to have a communication with them, be able to pro, you know chart their progress. If I've had students who will go to a tournament or something and maybe 
um, if they're not swinging well in their warm-up sessions. Like I'm talking about maybe in the practice round, I've had them mm-hmm. send me their swings, and I can make you know suggestions or whatever. It has been very beneficial for me. I think though, the one thing that I um, I still believe the best way to teach is to be hands-on with someone. Um, I think that um, online instruction, um, if that's the only way you're going to learn, uh, if you have an instructor in another part of the country and that's the only way you're doing it, I think it's a very difficult way to make um, progress in all parts of your game. I think it, I think um, it's much more beneficial to have that hands-on, you know, one-on-one time with someone. But I do, I do see the benefits of it, especially. I find it to be very beneficial if you have someone that you've worked with and maybe they, like I have a member or something, and then they, I've worked with them for a year or something, and then they move to another city or something like that. That's where I really found it to be beneficial when I've done it in that, that way. But I have picked up some new students who I've never met face-to-face. One guy that I was teaching in Florida, he, he through a referral, um, he reached out to me, and, and I was here in Ohio. And we started, um, we did a couple of online lessons, and he really liked them. And he actually came up to Ohio to see me to, to do face-to-face, and that's when we really took off. That's when he really got better. And so um, I think the, the online stuff was good to show him the X's and O's of mechanically, you know, why he was struggling. But to be able to spend time with him, do drills with him, uh, I think is, was, was where it really, really helped the most. Yeah, I think one of the things that I find with both is I think it, it, it certainly is an advantage to reaching out to uh, individuals that maybe we would not have contact. I know there's some uh, coaches that are working with students uh, literally around the globe in that format. Um, and there is the advantage of, of having access to a lot of uh, high-tech information and whatnot that can be relayed to the student. The one drawback I do see with it, and that is something, again, depending on the level of the student uh, and they're willing to uh, engage, is at least when they come for an in-person lesson, I'm assured that whatever pace I put them through uh, uh, or another coach puts them through is that they're going to uh, be assured of you know, doing some drills or doing some things that are going to help them. Whereas if, if it's completely online or majority of it's online, then you're relying on their uh, ability or willingness to get out there on their own time. And sometimes that can be difficult for some. Some people are very diligent, and you know, if you set them up with, with uh, a number of drills and so forth or, or what have you, um, will very diligently go out and do that until the next time you communicate with them. Uh, but then there's those that, let's be honest, that some are a little lazy. So that's the only thing I really see that can potentially be a drawback uh, to online coaching is is you're going to come across students that maybe don't want to put the time in, whereas when they're in person, a lot of times you can kind of force them to do things. And I mean that in a good way, but force them to be able to engage and, and follow through with specific drills and tips that are going to help them improve. So you're kind of managing their, uh, you know, them on the lesson tee a little bit more effectively in person, I think, at times. But I think it is definitely that's something that's a big part of the game. It's not going away. And I think it's going to be something that uh, is going to continue to advance as we move on. Clint, I'm going to let you wrap up um, with uh, an area that I think we've all uh, had this discussion many, many times over the years on the show, but I'm going to let you uh, piece it together. And that is practice. Um, You know, a lot of folks out there just 
don't seem to understand, don't seem to, you know, whether it's the old excuse, well, I don't have a lot of time to practice or I don't know what to practice. Um, and, you know, how much of this should I be practicing? How much of that should I be practicing? If we want to break 90, if we've got a player that's trying to break 90, um, what would you recommend, uh, and maybe you can put it in a, in a form of percentages or what have you, time do you want them to spend on specific parts of their game? Uh, or is that not a route that you want to do? Is that something, uh, do you have something better in mind? If they want to break 90, where would you have them spend uh, their practice time and what would you have them working on to be effective? Well, if, if they're really seriously about trying to break 90, which that's the player we're dealing with, they're going to have data developed to try to determine where those variable shots are at. You know, how many fairways are they hitting? You know, are they actually hitting a green in regulation? You know, whenever they get down to the variable shot, uh, their third shot, what's the proximity to the hole? Those data points that you really need to have before you can make a recommendation on where a player should work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you could give it the old, you know, generic, uh, well, if you, you can just learn how to chip and putt, you're going to lower your score. Well, that's probably right. true because as we've talked already, those are where the variable numbers are at. That's where the mm -hmm. shots that you can eliminate occur. Um, now, whether it's the, you're not putting well or the speed is not good for you uh, or your, your proximity. From 40 yards, it's you're, you're 30 feet away when you need to be 15 feet away. Give yourself a better chance of two putting or maybe making one. So in reality, before I would give a student recommendations on where they need to spend the majority of their practice time, I'd really like to see kind of that spreadsheet of data to where we can determine mm -hmm. where those variable shots are lying. Um, is your poor driving causing you to have to pitch it out? That's a variable shot. You know, if you're driving it in the woods all the time and you're having to pitch it out sideways, you can eliminate that shot. That's a variable. Mm -hmm. So we would need to know that we weren't driving it well, so let, we need to maybe work on your driving, or maybe let's have a conversation what you're driving with, as John mentioned. Yep. Um, you know, so the data points are there, and to just kind of clean things up, if you're wanting to do that, you want to shoot 90, shoot the best score you can, you need to know what's actually happening versus making some assumptions, as we see all the time. People assume, well, if I can hit it better, I'll score better. Well, we all know that's not necessarily true, okay? Right. Uh, but we see that every day on the practice tee at every golf course in America or around the world. You're cutting out again, Clint. But we all know that um, we have to know where to work. Your point about they don't know what to work on is a, is a clear mm -hmm. understanding. All right, if they don't know what they need to work on, they're not looking at the data or not even developing the data to score. So in reality, you have to be clear on where you need to work, and then you can lower your score. Yeah, I think uh, just to quickly summarize, because you, you cut out a little bit, uh, 
uh, here and there. But essentially, you, you have to have a good assessment. You have to have an understanding of, as you said, the data points of where uh, the weak areas in your game are. Just just to generically say, again, obviously your short game is always uh, needs to be uh, have improvement and is always going to help you. Uh, but again, there's other right. factors that could be involved. And for your coach to give you uh, specific areas to work on, you need to have that conversation. You need to look at those uh, figures. And what's really great is, you know, in uh, old school, you know, we would jot things down, how many putts we, we made each hole and how many uh, greens in regulation, mm-hmm. how many fairways hit, that sort of thing. There's a lot of great, uh, speaking of technology, there's a lot of great apps and things out there that now that can actually track that information automatically and put it in a nice uh, spreadsheet. And you can actually, uh, this is where a lot of the online coaching comes in uh, to benefit is you can actually have it coordinated and set up with your coach uh, where they can actually get that information uh, literally in real time and can go over that assessment Correct. before you even get to see them the next time on the practice tee. So there's a lot of, there's no excuse uh, if you don't feel like writing stuff down. There's a lot of great apps out there. Many of them are free. Uh, and uh, the ones that aren't are, are very inexpensive. And uh, you can get all access to that information and get it together and get together with your coach. Well, guys, I want to thank you, as always, uh, for doing a great job. Um, I'm going to give each of you, Clint, I'm going to go in reverse order, Clint, Tim, and then John. Okay. Uh, just a moment, if you want to let the folks know uh, the best way if they want to reach out to you. And uh, if there's anything specific that you want to uh, plug, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks, Tim. Sorry about the breakup all along. I don't know what's going on there. But um, you yeah, can always get a hold of me at Clint Goff. Uh, 001 at yahoo.com or uh, go to uh, the third shot on Facebook and they can find me there and uh, enjoy the show and make sure hopefully everybody has a nice Thanksgiving particularly I I couldn't agree more thank you uh, Clint Uh, Tim go ahead yeah, the best uh, way to get a hold of me is uh, uh, Tim at uh, peakperformancemindcoaching.com or visit the website at the same name. And uh, happy Thanksgiving holidays again to you guys, and I appreciate it. And uh, um, we've uh, we've got some uh, online specials going on in terms of coaching opportunities, and so uh, um, I guess that's it for me. Perfect. Thank you, Tim. And John, finally for you, um, best way that the folks can reach out to you and anything special that you want to uh, let the listeners know about. Well, Ted, thank you. And Clint and uh, Tim, I really enjoyed uh, tonight's discussion. Um, I'm excited to announce I've got a new website coming out. It's going to be called DeckerGolf.com. It should be out uh, beginning of the year. Uh, We're finishing up on it right now. Um, and, but you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or YouTube. You can find me there under John Decker Golf Instruction. I spell my first name J-O-N. Um, I'm also with uh, Golf Tips Magazine doing instructional articles and uh, the Fairways to Heaven feature. And uh, my book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, is sold on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, Walmart.com. And I've got a new uh, audio book that's coming out with the with it as well so i'm excited about that so but again happy thanksgiving to all the listeners out there and uh i had a great time tonight all right appreciate it guys uh john clint and tim all the best to you and your families have a happy and safe uh thanksgiving uh don't eat too much because i'm going to need you to come back uh, next month 
and uh, do one more Coach's Corner segment, so I want to make sure you guys don't uh, get too stuffed. But thanks, as always, guys, for doing a great job, and I appreciate it, and have a safe and happy holiday to you and all your family. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. All right, that was Clint Wright, uh, Tim Kramer, and John Decker uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. We're going to take a quick break as we wait for tonight's uh, very special guest to join us. Uh, Here's a couple of messages from some of our sponsors. This edition of Golf Talk Live is brought to you by Golf Pal. The best place to find only the finest in golf training aids and accessories. Get in on some great deals on leading products such as Down Under Board, Rough Soto, Golf Slingshot and more. Visit GolfPal.Golf today. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Golf Pal. We're serious about your game. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, as we just uh, take a moment before my uh, guests come on board, let me just remind everybody uh, just some of the dates, uh, as I mentioned earlier, but I'm going to give you a little bit more expanded version. Um, Women of Golf, of course, that uh, I do every Tuesday morning is the other show that I do every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, The last show for that is going to be December 14th. Uh, There will not be a show next week or the following Tuesday, which is the 30th. Uh, So the next two weeks, uh, we'll not be doing a show. Uh, and the first show for the Women of Golf will be February the 8th. Uh, so the last show, December 14th, first show of 2022 for the Women of Golf is February 8th. Uh, for Golf Talk Live, uh, again, the last show of the season is going to be December 6th. Uh, that will include the Coach's Corner panel and uh, special guests. And then uh, February 10th will be the first day back in 2020. Uh, that will be a little bit lighter version, as I call uh, Golf Talk Live light. Uh, there won't be a Coach's Corner panel uh, on that uh, uh, first couple of shows in February. Um, that will pick up on the first Thursday in March is when we'll add to the full show. So it'll be uh, for the first uh, few shows in February for Golf Talk Live, it'll be an hour long. And then in March, we'll kick into the full season, which will include the Coach's Corner panel. So again, uh, last show of the season for both shows, Women of Golf, December 14th, uh, Golf Talk Live, December 16th. Uh, first show is back in 2022 for Women of Golf is February 8th, and for Golf Talk Live is February 10th. So mark them down your calendars. Great way uh, to make sure you don't miss a show is to follow the program. If you go to blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash either Golf Talk Live or Women of Golf, you can click on follow, and you'll automatically get uh, updates uh, and notifications of upcoming shows and what the show, uh, who the guests are going to be, and so forth. Uh, so you, that's a great way to do it. And at the end of the uh, show, I always uh, let you know some other great ways that you can tune into the program as well. Um, all right, very excited to have uh, this evening's special guests, um, Scott King and Lyle Weisinger. Uh, both are co-founders of Gator Golf, Inc. and inventors of the Gator Golf Training Polo. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about each of them 
and then I'm going to bring them on, and we're going to tonight, uh, have tonight's discussion about a very interesting product that these two uh, gentlemen have put together. So uh, starting off with Scott, he's a, certainly a sports enthusiast. Uh, he was also a youth coach in uh, baseball, basketball, and football, and uh, he is also an innovator, entrepreneur, and owner of a software company. Uh, he reduced his handicap down to a 15 from 24 after using the product that we're going to talk about uh, tonight in the show this past summer. And as I mentioned, he's a co-inventor of Gator Golf, Inc. Uh, he's also interested in e-gaming space. Uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about that as well. Also joining is Lyle. He's a former assistant pro at Wayne Hills uh, Country Club under the tutelage of Phil Lucido. Uh, ground crew jobs in his early 20s uh, was really uh, something that he did uh, to kind of get things going. Uh, but really what he wanted to do is be able to practice and play. Uh, he worked in corporate America for America, excuse me, for uh, the last 20 years, and played uh, collegiate uh, at MCC for a season. He also won the club championship at Shadow Pines and Shadow Lake. Uh, always loved to teach uh, the game and gave lessons to some of his corporate buddies. Uh, and uh, he was assistant coach for kids junior PGA uh, when his daughter and son played. So uh, please welcome uh, Scott King and Lyle Weisinger. Good evening, guys, Good and evening. welcome to Golf Talk Live. Hi, Ted. Hi, Ted. Thank you. All right. Not a problem. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. Um, before we get into uh, some of the specifics tonight, I thought it would be kind of interesting. I always like to do this with new guests coming on. I gave a little bit of information uh, about both of you, but I think it's always interesting to uh, kind of um, find out a little bit about your backgrounds as far as uh, golf is concerned, and I just want to also note too that both of you are uh, member uh, are members at uh, the Webster uh, Golf Club. Uh, so I know you guys obviously love the game if you're if you're joining and getting a membership. So I'm going to start uh, Scott with you, and then Lyle, I'll get you to jump in as well. So tell us a little bit about uh, obviously you've been involved with other sports, Scott, but what was it about golf that appealed to you, um, and what was it that you felt? that there was a need to develop the product. And again, we're going to get into that a little bit more, but that you felt that there was a need to do that. And then, uh, Lyle, I'm going to get you to, to add uh, your thoughts into this as well. But give us an idea, Scott. When did you first start playing the game, and what was it about golf that it really appealed to you? Yeah, so so thanks again, Ted. Um, as I mentioned or in, in the bio there, I've always been a sports enthusiast, right? So there wasn't a day that went by where I wasn't outside and uh, – playing a simulated baseball game with a tennis ball with my brother or hot box or get some friends in the neighborhood and play stick ball and so forth. And growing up, um, again, just playing multiple sports to keep busy, to keep fit, um, and love that competitive spirit. Started to play golf and pick that up around uh, 17 or 18 years old. And uh, I brought my best baseball swing to the golf course. Um, and definitely had my own style and technique, um, which uh, I, I carried for a number of years. Uh, you know, I used uh, like an eight and a half um, degree, and I would hit that thing uh, a ton, uh, but I used every ounce of my uh, power <laughs> that was trying to generate and strangle the club to get there. And um, so it was, really, it was really a game that um, was kind of on the side burner for me, um, I played college baseball and, and got involved in softball travel and, you know, played golf for fun with scrambles and so forth. But 
Um, I just realized that, hey, the, the body is uh, starting to tell me that I can't be diving in the outfield anymore and uh, put my energies into the golf <laughs> game. And, and so, you know, get the, get the itch and watch videos on YouTube and so forth. And um, really what, what I've seen is um, from a personal perspective that, you know, statistics, um, keeping box score under a shade tree and listening to the radio was how I really got into math way back when. Um, it was nostalgic for me a bit, kind of that, that old school methodology. And so the money ball appealed to me and I too am in, in, in the corporate space for years. And, and really I'm like, I need to do something with what I'm passionate about. And so it's sports and it's data and it's data science. And I'd love to coach my kids coming up. And so golf is just that next step or phase in, in my life. And I've been fortunate and grateful um, to have met this guy, Lyle, uh, three and a half years ago. And, um, you know, we freaking track and so well together. Um, I'm a guy full of energy and ideas and so forth. But this guy also is full of energy, ideas, but can, can uh, really control things and, and, and uh, tone things down a bit and keep me in check with enthusiasm. But when, when he presented this opportunity, and he'll tell you the story, um, I said, mm. wow, this, this is fantastic. It's innovative. It's not cumbersome like the tools that we see sitting in everybody's garage. And, oh, by the way, we mm-hmm. pack this thing up. <laughs> it's the tip of the iceberg uh, from what I see, but it's a huge tip because I see all the other sports are migrating or crossing over into the golf space. So it's an exciting time for the golf game, and I'm happy to be part of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and, and uh, we'll talk, as I said, a little bit about the product in a second. But, um, Lyle, I want to give you uh, an opportunity as well. As I mentioned, you're a former assistant pro at, at Wayne Hills, uh, so you've obviously uh, yeah. been a little bit more uh, directly involved in that aspect uh, of the game. But uh, when did you first start sort of get bitten, as they say, by the bug, and what was it about golf that, that uh, got you into a little bit more uh, of a, a teaching aspect, what was it specifically that you enjoyed about the game that got you to where you are today? Yeah, Ted, great answer. It's always it always comes back to that bug. I think it's like anything else. You can remember the exact date of when when that happened. Um, going back, my dad got me hooked. Uh, my dad always golfed. Uh, I never really golfed in high school. I was a lacrosse player, uh, and you know I played soccer. Um, but, you know, golf, I'm like, come on, man, I, I need a little bit more physical contact. Uh, but after I graduated high school, my dad took <laughs> me to Arizona for, um, for a little celebration, you know, graduating. And he's like, hey, you, we're going to go sightseeing. Um, I'll fly you back. Um, I'm going to go golfing with the guys. And I'm like, well, you know what, Dad? I wouldn't mind golfing um, and spending that extra week with you. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So he got me this, you know, I don't know if you remember, Ted, back in the day they had those orange power-built bags. Um, yep. so he got me this power build bag. He bought me a new set of clubs. I'm like, Whoa, dad, I didn't expect you to go to this extreme. <laughs> He's like, Hey, you got to look good because I know you're not going to play good. Um, so we go out to Arizona, <laughs> we do the sightseeing <laughs> and, you know, at that point in time, I go out to Arizona. It's, you know, I never really ventured out in, into the golf world before. And I, it, my eyes opened up and like, wow, this is amazing. The courses, just the way you were treated. Um, so I started playing. And, um, you know, uh, I, believe it or not, I started playing with my dad's friends. I was actually starting to bet them. Uh, they weren't that good. Um, so I could, like, hey, I could hold my own. My dad to this day says, hey, man, mm-hmm. he's like, Lyle bet me, you know, this much money. He's like, well, he did? He's like, he didn't know about it. 
Um, but he's like, you know, to this day, I covered your bets <laughs> because you only cost me half of what uh, it could have been. So you, you held your own. But, you know, at that point in time, uh, and I met Barry Bonds on the golf course, too. Um, and he was, wow. you know, it, it, yeah. So I was like, hey, he's like, oh, hey, young man, how you doing? You golf? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you any good? I'm, I'm going to work on it. And so that, that's when I started getting hooked. I got back, and, and that's when I got my first job at Western Golf Club working on the grounds crew. So graduated from high school, wasn't sure of my college plans, uh, but I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hooked now. The bug has bitten me. So I would get up at 6 a.m., be done by 2.30. I'd hit two large bucket of balls and go play. And then what was really cool about that is Debbie Murphy at the time, who's the owner of Webster Golf Club now, uh, she started working with me, um, helping with my swing, and, and that's when I really got hooked. Um, I went from uh, probably I was around 19. I was, my God, probably like, oh, who knows, 25 handicap. Uh, but I got down to a 16 handicap within about six to nine months. And then um, I was playing, my dad was a member at, West, uh, at Wayne Hills Country Club. And so when uh, I was a member there, the Filicito came up to me and said, hey, would you be interested in being an assistant pro here? We've, we've noticed you've got a great personality. You've got a decent game. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, so at, at that same time, I was going part-time at NCC. Um, so I went into the, the golf ranks there, did that for about a year. Um, and what was really cool is you live and breathe golf. It's amazing what it, uh, it does for your golf game. Within uh, a month of being assistant pro, I, fought, I shot my first par 72 score. And my dad framed it up, put it on the plaque. Mm. Ever since then, Ted, I, I've been hooked and, and love the game. And, you know, what's really cool is Phil Lucido, he actually played with Ben Hogan back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. So he would tell me these right. stories and, you know, right. just hearing golf stories and how it was back in the day and you just get hooked and it, it just becomes that much more of an emotional uh, component to, to the golf uh, that you know. So it's, it's, it's a really cool story. Well, and it's interesting because both of you, you know, really mentioned, uh, you know, being involved in, in other sports and things like that. It's amazing how many professional athletes um, gravitate to golf. I mean, we've seen it, major baseball players, basketball players, football yep. players um, that, that are highly competitive. Obviously, there comes a realization that, hey, you know, I can't run down the field uh, anymore at, at 45. Uh, but, uh, well, you know, there are a few exceptions, Tom Brady. But, um, but you know, for the, for the most, you know, for the most part, uh, the rest of us are hanging up our cleats and, and whatnot. Uh, at, a, at an earlier age. But golf is one of the things that you can play well into uh, your golden years, if you will, and still play pretty competitive. Uh, and I think that's what is appealing about it. And it also to it, it challenges you, challenges you excuse me, as an individual uh, more so. You know, you're not relying on teammates. You're not relying on team players to uh, shoulder the load. Everything falls on your shoulders. Um, and, you know, that's something I think that obviously – you know, in your case, uh, Lyle, your your dad was was uh, obviously excited that to see that you were going to uh, get out there and give it a go. And you know, I think he knew that you would probably get bitten by the bug. I'm sure, just as he did. Yeah, he did. So, Lyle, I want to I want to continue <laughs> on. Yeah, I want to continue on with you. And so, let's fast forward uh, a little bit, and then Scott, I'm going to get you to jump back in as well in a minute. Um, let's talk about uh, Gator Golf because this is something you know you guys met a few years ago. Uh, obviously, you hit it off. You've talked uh, about, uh, you know, Scott's talked about some different things. Um, you know, you've, you've seen a lot of what's out there. Scott alluded to this. There's a lot of training aids. Everybody's mm -hmm. got some gimmick or angle for doing that. Um, and I'm not saying that none of it works or any of it doesn't work. 
but there's a lot of stuff that's collecting dust, as you pointed out, in the garage. So, Lyle, how did this come about? How did you guys connect, um, and how did you guys come up with the idea uh, uh, of let's put something together that's going to help players improve? Lyle, you go ahead and start, and then, Scott, uh, I'll get you to jump in as well. Yeah, Ted, so uh, it's a pretty cool story. So, conceptually, um, about a year before I met Scott, um, you know, I, my daughter was playing in the uh, U.S. Junior Kids program, and, you know, when she would hit the ball, she would hit it, like, I'd be like, oh, my God, she's, you know, she's got a great swing. You know, she looked at me one day, and she's like, hey, Dad, you know, how do I know I'm making, a, you know, a turn, in, a proper turn in the swing? And I was like, really? That's the question you're asking me? You're, like, 12 years old. And she's like, yeah, I, you know, I've seen you turn, and I want to make sure I'm making a proper turn. And I said, all right, well, take a, take a golf club, hold it across your shoulders, do the, it's what we call the crisscross drill, and you turn to right. um, where the stick is pointing behind the ball. And she's like, oh, okay, cool, got it. And, you know, I'm like, now just swing through, and, and that's your, that's your uh, shoulder turn, your body turn. And she's like, okay. And then she put the club down. We were in the backyard at the time, and she's like, all right, I, I'm, I feel it, but how do I know I'm doing it? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, how do I know? I, I can't see when I'm hitting the ball what that visual looks like to know that I'm making a proper turn. And I was like, interesting. All right, hold on a second. So I ran upstairs into my bedroom. I grabbed one of my golf shirts. And at that time, alignment sticks were a big deal. And I, I saw mm-hmm. some trainings where, you know, teachers are holding alignment sticks across your shoulders, all, all that good stuff. So I was like, oh, interesting. She's got me thinking now. So I, I, I grabbed that golf shirt. I ripped a, a couple holes on the side up by the shoulders area and I slid the stick through and I slid it on there and I'm like, okay, now, you know, ho- turn and point that stick behind the ball. And she's like, okay, I get it. And I said, well, in, in, at the time it was a large shirt. She was dinky. So the thing was sliding off her. So I, I'm like, hold on one second, ran upstairs, grabbed some duct tape, tied the knot back, duct taped uh, the stick in just to make sure that it would hold. And I'm like, okay, now take a swing with a golf club. And she's like, okay, like this? I'm like, yeah, now see where the sticks are pointing? Yep, I get it, Daddy. And I said, well, you know what's really cool? Jonna is like, I'm like, now you can actually hit a golf ball with a stick in your shirt because it's not going to move, and it's, it's going to show you how to make a proper turn, and you can hit the ball at the same time. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, go ahead and try it. So she's aiming in the backyard. Um, we have a, like a pie-shaped yard. And there's wood. So she's aiming left towards the, the neighbor's backyard. And she hits this thing do, with a stick in her shirt. And she hits a pitching wedge, probably had to have been like 75, 80 yards. Knocks it into almost into the other neighbor's backyard. And she's like, holy cow, Dad, now I know what it, it, it feels like to make a proper turn. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to do. And so, Ted, long story short is I was, like, thinking about this. And I'm like, so I went inside and I looked up training aids and, you know, at that time, Podrick Harrington had this like cocoon looking thing you'd put on. I don't know if you remember it. It yep. keeps the elbow yep. tight to your body. Yep. And I'm like, oh my God. And so really the, as I started, I, I grabbed a PowerPoint presentation, started doing all this information. And the, the concept that we came up with, with the, the, uh, the polo is, is train or practice looking good. So what that really means is you don't have to wear these funny contraptions. You can wear a normal golf polo, which is going to be your training uh, aid, um, and it's going to look like a normal golf shoe. You can wear it to the office. You can wear it on the golf course. You go to the range. You play. You take the stick out, and you go play 18 holes. Um, but it's, just, it's, it's something you can wear all the time, anytime, um, as you're, as you're, you know, if you're golfing or not golfing. Yeah, and it's important, Scott, too, because – you know, and I want to get you to, to chime in here as well. So obviously, 
you know, Lyle uh, has sort of, you know, fostered the, the initial development of this product. And you guys had a conversation at some point, and you obviously saw the benefit because, again, you took up golf, um, you know, in a, in a similar fashion. You obviously didn't go to the same degree as he did, but um, you obviously went out there, you played other sports, and you wanted to improve. And I'm sure, like many of us, you tried a lot of different gadgets and gizmos out there to, to improve. Um, and, again, some work in that. But this seems very simplistic in, in its way, but yet is very effective. So what was your thought when you first sort of had that conversation with, with Lyle as to uh, this polo uh, shirt with, with the training aid, uh, with the stick through it? Um, what was your first initial thoughts, and what was some of the, the feedback that you gave him when you had a look at it? Yeah, no, so that's, that's a great question. And I, and I got to say, um, there's a magnetism about, about Lyle and how he works with people. He connects. And that's how we connected really strong. And I'm a connector of the dots too. And, you know, he, you know, we built that relationship to the point where he trusted to show me this thing and get my feedback. And, you know, I saw right away, I said, you know what, this, this is it right here. You hit it on the head, simple, but effective, practical and not pricey. Right. And, and so it's a regular polo, right? It's a polo, but it also, you now you, you can activate it and train you can get an effective learning session out of it. Oh, by the way, it's a takeaway after your lesson to do some homework on your own. So you come back and you pick up on that next step. I got that right away. I put this thing on. I put the stick in. I turned my shoulder and I said, it was a self-recognition. We call it the whisper now. And Scott, you're not making the proper turn. You're not coming behind the ball. Imagine if you did, right? I can go back to hitting it the way I was when I was 25, right? getting out, out there are pretty good mm-hmm. ways. So that was, it was, it's a feel product to be honest with you. And it's instant and it's a Eureka. And, you know, we, we can get into some of the testimonials of events mm-hmm. that we've had and people that have tried this thing and, and the results are there. And so what, what it really did for me um, was provide me with a baseline, some additional peripheral, to give those, um, those key viewpoints, right? Where do I need to look down the line? Recognition, am I parallel to my stick on the ground? Um, and, and so forth. And, you know, what, and seeing the pros, right? Phil Mickelson is, is mm-hmm. using the stick. And he's doing the cross. And it, it's something that's part of the game. And everybody's got a, a stick in their bag. Well, now you can just pop it in the shirt and, you know, you can use it or you can just wear it regularly. It doesn't sit in the garage. And that, that hit home is like, it's very practical. And, and, and I did some research cause I'm a data guy. Right. So I went out mm-hmm. and I said, you know, there's a million golfers spending an average of $150 a year on training devices alone. And then on top of that, right. spending hundreds of dollars with, with trainers. And I said, wow. So then I started to think of use cases, not only from the user perspective and, gaining that confidence, right? I, I, just, I just saw it, right? You're going to get this confidence. You're going to get this consistency. You're going to improve your posture by knowing how to really handle an alignment and feel what a proper turn is. And um, my back improved naturally because I wasn't gripping and ripping. And hunch- I mean, I was hunched over mm-hmm. like a hockey player, 
trying to slap shot. Right. And yeah, you should have seen him walk in the golf course. He, 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 before he started turning, right? It was crazy. Yeah, right. This athlete turned into a guy who needs a, needs a, a walker, right? And um, so, but yeah, so I, I appreciate Lyle. I've been somewhat of his uh, mentee and I appreciate that he's taken me through this process to identify quickly and be able to, I always had a great touch with the short game. I can putt and chip inside of 70, but that second shot, you know, not trusting it and trust your swing. And that's something that um, my father-in-law and I would play. And, you know, he would say it and say it and say it. And now I finally felt it and uh, can appreciate that. And going back, you know, just going back a little bit, I did in the back of my know I was going to get to this point of being inspired by golf because that was the last game left for an athlete like me, other right. than pickleball, which right. is fun. Um, <laughs> right. Or, you know, or two-point shooting <laughs> contest, or, you know. Um, but but right. Jack Nicholas was the guy, you know. And it just uh, But seeing everybody swing a little differently, this, this thing, it really, it, it's for everybody. And you can plug in at different levels and incrementally improve. Mm. And that's exciting to me um, from what I see. And, oh, by the way, it's almost like we've got, we've got flipped into the 70s, right, with the COVID. It, the only opportunity was to get out at a range with a family of four and, hang, and, and bang balls around. So there's that ratio right. now of a trainer to student that we have to contend with. And this thing can help that ratio from a trainer's perspective. And we'll, we can get into that, too. Uh, but, yeah, this, this, mm-hmm. this channel really is – there's so many plays and use cases. It's, um, you know, it's, it's that conduit from the physical to the virtual world. And, you know, we can get lost into the technology piece of it and where, where this thing is really going to go for us. Um, but at the, at, the, at the core of it, it's training, learning, development in a game that people are growing and growing to love more and more. And it's simple and practical. Well said. And, and you know, just to, to touch on, uh, again, there's a lot of great training aids out there. Some of them are very specific that work on certain parts of the short game. Some work on uh, others and developing uh, uh, speed training and things like that. And they're all good products. But, again, they can be very expensive, um, very cumbersome in some cases, and not always practical. Um, you know, and I know the vest, uh, I think it was the K-Vest that you were talking about, uh, and I always used to call it the straight jacket because that's what it felt like when you yeah, put it you on. Um, yeah, and, and it just, to me, was not a, a comfortable uh, way. And it didn't really, in my opinion, uh, again, I don't like to knock products, but it, to me, I just didn't see for the price point and that, the value of it. Um, but what, what's interesting about this, and, and I want to talk, and Lyle, I'm going to get you in here and, and Scott together if you want. Uh, Lyle, you can go first, but let's talk about some of the results with with this training polo. I mean, you guys basically uh, developed a polo with with the uh, ability to put alignment stick through up around the just below the shoulders a little bit across the chest, uh, again, which is a very common um, way of of checking your alignment. Uh, pros, as you mentioned, Phil Mickelson, many others. So you guys actually did you you did it right at your golf club there. You went to Webster and you said, okay, hey. We're going to conduct a, uh, with some of the members. You took a, a handful of, uh, of golfers and did a demo day. Tell us a little bit about that. Lyle, if you want to start off, and then Scott, uh, when you feel like it, uh, just jump in and, and add uh, some of your perspective as well. But you guys decided to set this up and say, let's get out and test it. You know, We like it, um, but let's see what, you know, sort of a field test, if you will, on a demo day. So Lyle, why don't you start us off with that? Yeah, sure, Ted. So 
Um, you know, a, a shout out to uh, Debbie Murphy and Tom Maloney over at Webster Golf Club. You know, Debbie's the owner, certified uh, PGA, LPGA, um, and Tom's a certified teacher as well. And, you know, so initially I, I shared the idea with Tom, and Tom, you know, we started talking about it. He's like, holy cow, this is a really great idea. He's like, I, I see the value just from a teacher perspective. I don't have to hold alignment sticks. I'll, I'll, you know, I can, I can become more efficient when I'm teaching. My pupils can become more efficient because they can put the stick in and out uh, as I direct them. Um, but, you know, so we talked to Tom, and we set up a demo day at Webster Golf Club, uh, and it was towards the end of August, and we had five members come in. Um, we set up a little booth. We, we, we turned on the trackman. Um, and what was really, really interesting, Ted, is, you know, we had people come in, and we, we Scott mentioned before creating that baseline. So we, want, we, we had you put the shirt on without the stick, take a few swings. We measured their results. And then uh, after about five or six swings, we had them put the stick in, worked with them in about a five-minute span just to show them how to make a proper turn. Um, and that alone was eye-opening because they're like, you know, they were tilting. They're, they just didn't know how to make a proper turn. And what's really, really interesting was we were talking to Cindy Miller a while back because we introduced this shirt to her as well. And odds are, percentage-wise, probably 98% of golfers, maybe even higher, don't know how to make a proper turn in the golf swing. Um, you know, you go right. to a driving range, and you can see all these different swings. You're like, holy cow, I could help that guy out just like that. But um, so immediately we got feedback, and then we said, okay, put the stick in. Now we'll work with you. Do a couple of swings. And then what we want to do is first get you to feel it. But after you feel the difference, we want to see what TrackMan says. Um, and Ted, I'll tell you what was amazing is that the people that the five people that tried it on, it was uh, four males and one female. They averaged anywhere from seven to 12 miles uh, increase in club head speed just by making a proper turn with a Gator Gear training polo. Um, that equated to about an additional 25 to 30 yards of carry. And what was really interesting is as we got them to set up, right, you mentioned the alignment. We got, you know, some had open mm -hmm. shoulders pointing to the right. We got their yep. alignment straight, and we also, because of the way the alignment stick works, you can get into a right posture where your, your shoulders are a little bit more uh, tilted up. Um, so, for example, mm -hmm. on the driver, you want to have a little bit more of an, uh, an, uh, a launch angle into the ball, so that starts to address with, you know, getting your right shoulder under a little bit. And you could even see the, the launch angle improve. Um, for the golfers as well. So all in all, it probably took, Scott, I would say maybe five to seven swings for them to realize the impact and the results just by using the training puller. Would you agree on that one? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And each each person there brought a different style. One one guy was a stacking tilt, and and um, uh, the, the other guy, other guys were more of the roundabout. And it worked. It was effective for those types of swings. So this thing really transcends regardless of teaching methodology from what I saw in just that short grouping. And, um, you know, we've had others try it that have, you know, played at a high level or in long drive contests that put this thing on and they just get that instant. They know where to go and what they're, what they're not doing. And that's golfers and non-golfers alike who just, you know, tickle the game once in a while. And, um, so yeah, what was what is great, and that's really the the crux of this whole thing is to drive that confidence, right? Get that get that player to recognize what a good golf swing is, right? I can do it. I can go to the range, work at this, 
and then take it to the golf course, right? Because the takeaway is a whisper, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's something that you, you know, and, and Lyle hit it on the head. With me, it was posture. I didn't trust that if I'm standing straight up, I can still reach the ball with my type of swing. And, you know, for years I've been fumbling with hands or opening the right foot or, you know, crouching over. It was always an adjustment game, and that made it frustrating and not to where I would really start to love and thrive at it. And since putting this on and recognizing what to do, now it's like, wow, I've gone to the range more than I ever have. (laughs) Um, And not just because Mm -hmm. I was invested in the tool, but now I'm comfortable and confident that, hey, I might be able to compete in this thing from a 25 to a 15 next year, get it under 10. And by the time I'm I'm 52 out there uh, trying to make a living at it, right? We all have goals and dreams. Um, but, but, uh, or carrying Lyle's bag, that's fine too, I guess. I guess we'll have a good time, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but either, either way, you know, it's interesting because coming from the bet that, um, sport that, um, uh, baseball and softball perspective, right? It's a different mm-hmm. mindset. It's a different lead with the swing. I was leading with the front arm and just using my back and my hips mm-hmm. and my legs trying to bundle this energy at the point of impact and it's good, but it sends a shot through your body versus leading with the back hip. Now then just keep it turned, just make it turn, keep your posture. And the yeah, he was expending so much energy, Ted, by not yeah. making a proper turn and using the body in the proper fashion to generate that club head speed. So he was trying all sorts of different things, which is re- wreaking havoc on his body. Body's not right. designed to turn certain ways. Um, and once he mm-hmm. realized that, that's where the enjoyment came back for him. He wanted to go to the range because it was less effort and it was less uh, pain on the body uh, because now he's like, he's, I mean, he used to have a little hitch to his giddy-up when he would walk the course. <laughs> it's gone now. And, yeah. you know, it, it, what people don't realize is that, you know, if you're not making a proper turn, it's, gonna, it's not beneficial to your body. It's going to cause all sorts of problems, um, you know, and, it, it's just it's about efficiency. Um, you know, if you make yeah, it that I, proper turn, right. it's, it makes the game easy. Yeah, and I'll give you two quick Yeah, and let me just add – go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say – What I was going to just add – I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say – Let me just I'll, say I'll real be, quick. But what I was going to add – what I was going to add, let me just jump in real quick, and then I'll let you finish your thought. You know, what I was going to say is, is, you know, you hit it right on the head. For a lot of – uh, amateur golfers out there, and I'd say 80% is probably pretty accurate, is they don't know how to make a proper turn. And this adds to the frustration because, number one, they're mm-hmm. not getting, they're not using the body correctly, as you pointed out, but they're not getting the distance that they could get Correct. if they were using the body correctly. So being able to do that, and, you know, you guys sent me uh, the, the product, you sent me the, the, uh, the, the training polo with the stick, and I went out and tested it out myself because, you know, again, I get people all the time saying, hey, try this and try that. And I can honestly say it works. It's a very effective and it's very simple. And we're going to talk about the coaching aspect uh, here in just a minute and, and the benefits um, both as, as somebody using it as a player, but also the benefits for a coach as well. But uh, go ahead and finish your thought. Oh, no. I mean, we had two, we had two use cases that, that really is, gets into this healthcare PT space, right, with the spine angle, and we're going to go there with the technologies and so forth. But um, we had our manufacturer in his mid-70s who left the game because he just wasn't able to be that flexible 
guy anymore. And he took our product and he worked himself back into playing in a short period of time using the polo and the stick in the basement. We had another guy that, that went to one of our events who was a monster, 6'4", you know, 240, just a huge guy, ends up winning the championship. But we told him that you're going to hurt your back with the way you're swinging. You're not even making a full proper turn. You could be even better and hit it longer. And sure as, sure as shoot, didn't take the uh, the advice of, um, of Lyle. Won the championship, but then missed two weeks of the season because he was in recovery. So there's something to be said here about preventative, making it safe, swing and then being able to recover on the back end. And that's where this thing is going to go. And um, we're excited about that too. So just wanted to add that story. And, and let me, yeah, no, that's, that's great. And, 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 you know, let me just add to, or, or, or add the conversation uh, towards coaching and that, you know, for, as a teacher professional and, and, you know, slash coach, this is a great product for us to be able to use on the range with our students. And I'll tell you why, um, there are a lot of great products, as I said, out there, but one of the problems is, again, sometimes they take uh, more setup. Uh, sometimes they're only as- directing one aspect of the game, and they're not really mm-hmm. uh, getting to the root cause of, of understanding the golf swing. And this is what most people struggle with, is once they understand, once they've got the grip down and they understand how to swing the club, uh, it's just a matter of the ball getting in the way of their swing. And... So you guys recognize that as well as not only is it a great uh, become a great training tool for you guys, but you also recognize for other coaches and and teaching pros out there that this could be something because you know standing on the range the last thing you want to do is have to spend a lot of time setting something up so you know your student can slip on the shirt uh, or wear the shirt to to the session to the practice session and it's just a matter of putting the stick in letting him work with it for a few moments and then you can actually take it out. And he's now developed some some memory as well. And if he needs uh, some more guidance, right. you can just slip that stick back in, and he can go on it. Talk about that. You guys are looking at that as not just selling it to uh, the consumer, but you're looking at it as marketing and getting it out there to a lot of instructors and coaches. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And Ted, you know the the feedback that we've gotten is you know once they see it. So here's the crazy part about uh, teaching professors right now. They all teach with blind sticks. So if you go on YouTube and you look up how to make a full turn, there's alignment sticks being held here everywhere. Um, you know, and one of the things when we talk to Tom and Debbie, especially at Webster Golf Club, just the, the overall efficiency of, hey, I don't have to hold this stick on my student uh, to work on their alignment. They can put, mm-hmm. to your point, Ted, they can put the stick in. I can tell them to line up. They can look down. Now they can actually see it. Um, you know, they can look down their sight line, make sure, as Scott mentioned before, it's parallel to their, their uh, target line on that side of it. And then, you know, going through that turn. So now as a pro, typically I, I would teach, okay, take, do, five, do 10 swings with the stick in, now do 10 swings with it out. So I can, I can do that aspect where here's what it looks like with a stick in, here's what it, you can see that visual with it out. So it, it fits multiple ways teachers um, teach their pupils to, to generate a proper swing, to work on their alignment. And, and let's be honest, the number one thing that I struggle with, I'm, I'm about a two and a half handicap right now. And I plan on getting better because mm-hmm. I know Scott's coming after me. But my, my biggest thing <laughs> is for me is my alignment. If my alignment is off, that's when I struggle. So being able to work on that consistently by myself, putting the stick in, taking it out, making sure everything's uh, the ball flight is taking off in the, on its intended line. 
those are all key things that are helping me, uh, especially when you get out into those press, press situations on the golf course, whether it's, you know, a nine hole men's league or you're playing in the club championship or you you've got a, a little Nassau bet going on with the guys, you know, you, you, these pressure, pressure situations, it relies on muscle memory. Um, and, Teaching that is really what this does. It gives you that visual on how to make a proper repeating turn over and over again. Yeah, and if yeah, I can well just said. Yeah, well said. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I was just going to say, so no, we envision, envision one of the first commercials to be the guys that are scrambling, you know, looking at the clock at 3 o'clock, and they know their buddies are going to the range and get ahead of them and hit 100 balls, and they're tra- changing their shirt on the fly, which is frowned upon, right? They get there, and they run up to the tee box, and they yank one into the woods, right? So with this thing, right. you know, you've got a memory, or you can go you take 10 or 15 swings and now you're ready to go you triggered that whisper that muscle memory so that's exciting the second piece that i see too is the ratio of trainers uh you know debbie i you know we would go there on lunch and hit balls and i would just see her with 50 75 100 kids you know it's, it's growing right and she just does not have um the, the capacity her and tom to you know keep these guys contained now if we give them this kind of tool where they can take their homework and go do your 10 turns and swings and your cross drill and, and oh, by the way, there's a short stick to this thing too, for your chipping and putting, right? Now you yep. can give, give mm-hmm. the kids homework, right? To go between your one-on-one sessions. So you can come back and hit the ground running again. And just imagine the technology that we're going to incorporate at the range where we have the AI and the machine learning to give you that instant readout oh, by the way, we can save some video and give it back to Coach or Debbie um, for when it's a rainy day or, or uh, you know, has some free time. So th- that's the, the range is the, the biggest part of the game that's growing. There's 35 to 40% of the folks that just go out there for an event to get away, a family of four, mom, dad, and two kids just banging it around, right? And um, so let's, mm-hmm. let's get them out and experiencing and having that comfort level in their swing to go out and actually play around the golf. Yeah, and, and, and it's so important because, uh, again, from a, a teaching professional standpoint, you know, obviously want your students to learn the correct uh, approach to the swing very early on. I mean, too many times we, we you know, yep. we get introduced to players who have been playing for, you know, maybe 10, 12 years. They're doing the same old thing. Uh, making the same old mistakes, and you know you hate to turn around and, and have to reinvent the wheel, um, and this really helps you bypass it because most of them, for the most part, they have a pretty good grip. Um, some of them get into a little bit funky posture, what have you, but this gives them instant feedback. And the nice thing about this is, once they understand what a good swing feels like and they visually see it. They can do this at home when they're away from the coach or an instructor. They don't have to do this exactly. in front of him or her all the time. They can do this when they're on their own and get that same visual feedback. Um, and, again, they can just pull the stick out and wear it as a, a shirt that they can go out with their buddies or uh, play, you know, continue playing a round of golf with. Um, so it has a lot of benefits all the way around. Scott, I want to bring you in here because um, I know that this is something else that you and I talked about uh, when we were setting up this interview, and that was to talk about uh, some of the technology. You guys are working on uh, sensors and whatnot. You're partnering with a with a group out of Texas. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. That's obviously very exciting as well. 
Yeah, so again, this this channel is the conduit between the physical and the virtual world, right? The traditionalist and those that are getting or jumping into that tech space are trying to transform and move into it quickly. And um, so again, through through LinkedIn, made a connection with a, a great great group of guys, um, Control CTRL out of Texas A&M Incubator, and they came out and they have a fantastic sensor that. Um, will fit in the channel, um, and and what they have is is the ability to calibrate um, each of your clubs, and there's a metronome in there to gauge your tempo and feed you back, right? Um, and they have a sleeve that that, that you can wear now, and um, but together uh, with our channel being a delivery mechanism, we're going to open up brand new markets and opportunities because not only can we calibrate and, you know, get your tool sharpened and give you that feedback, but we're going to work in these shoulder turns. We're going to work in spine angle, like I mentioned before, and now we can get that true readout of what is a, a good swing from the health and a biokinetics um, perspective as well. So this thing could be a full fitness, full year type of approach um, where full we have Yeah, full body, right? Yeah. We, we can take this channel, think about the weight shift, right, from the back to the front, and even the, um, um, even the pressure, the, the ground um, power, right, in those readings. So this thing is interoperable, and we can move it in all kinds of apparel, and including a hat for your spine angle and your head movement, now we've got something that's affordable um, that kind of uh, you know, competes a little bit with these full-body, you know, high-end um, suits that are out there. And, again, it's all practical. Mm-hmm. You know, Lyle hits it on the head. He's like, you know, our Gator logo is perfect because you look at it, it's like you can activate your training session. You can turn your game on. Mm-hmm. You have your goal and your oh, target. And, uh you know, that's exactly what this thing is. And so not only that, we've started to connect with um, some, some folks that are in the e-gaming space, and there's some huge opportunity there. There's 3.4 billion gamers in the world, and, and a lot of them play the Roblox, yep. and they're, they're involved with the Twitch. And so, hey, there's a place for golf, <laughs> definitely a place yeah, for golf right. in that world. And so augmented reality, virtual reality, where, you know, hey, here's here's um, – Here's here's Lyle popping into your virtual world and, and telling you to uh, you know make make a full turn <laughs> and um, so yeah. those prospects are coming. Ted and I think you know with, with control what, what's really interesting is they teach um, lead arm mechanics uh, that's that's their fundamental of what they teach so they they mm-hmm. have the sleeve that fits in and the sensor goes on to your your left arm so it's all about that lead arm through the swing and where we the stars aligned is that we would we would take over that full body experience. So really what we're going to measure is the, the shoulder turn, the shoulder rotation speed, and that overall spine angle. Those are really what we're honing in on now. And then from an apparel perspective, we're going to take that channel, we're going to build it into the, the, the hips, the shorts, the pants. So now you can start really gauging how your shoulders are turning, how your hips are turning, what does that look like? Is it out of sequence? And, and it really start to hone in on, on what a good swing looks like um, for the various, you know, golfers that are out there on that side of it. Um, and I think, you know, the, the biggest thing that I've seen is, you know, Scott kind of talked about, you know, the training. Training just doesn't have to be on the range. It can be, and, and Ted, you mentioned it, you can be in your basement. 
you can be in a virtual mm-hmm. reality world. But it's, it's, it's all about taking that training to the next level to improve your game. Or and if, if it's not really about improving your game, just have fun with it. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, Ted, we, you talked about the, the kids, the, the junior element of things. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids get burned out right. because they're frustrated. Um, and I think yep. this, you know, what I've seen with the kids that I've worked with, you put this on, you put the stick on, it brings some fun back into it. So all I have to do is point my mm-hmm. stick to here and here. Exactly. It, it simplifies and makes the game easier so they don't get frustrated and burned out and don't want to pick up a club. And, 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 and let me just yeah, go down I- that little I'm sure, sorry, Ted. Jumping in, I get excited. <laughs> Lyle reels me in. Yep, go um, ahead. Yeah, so so you hit it on the head. It's fun and fundamentals, right? You know, I ended up uh, coaching for a world class organization, uh, baseball organization, and I got to tell you, it was fun. Not necessarily being on the team that got to travel to participate in states, but playing with the with kids that you inspire to have some fun to work at the fundamentals, get them out of their comfort zone, and we still had success. And I think that, that's what is missing is that innovative um, gamification. Let's have a good time. Let's turn our backs to coach and let's play, uh, you know, we'll hit balls and whoever fumbles it last uh, is wins, right? Or let's try to hit targets out in center field or those types of backyard games that our generation grew up with and created out of necessity to, to remove boredom, I think that's the thing that's missing. And, and, again, kind of a channel or a bridge to bring that experience back to where it's – make it fun. I, I can go out – Lyle and I can go out and just play closest to the pin for hours, right, and just have fun with it and compete mm-hmm. or, like, take five putts and whoever the closest is is the winner and – you know, you make up games and, and you use your imagination. And so that's what we're hoping this thing inspires other kids to do and to get engaged with STEM, right, with technology, with math. Like my math coach, right, inspired me to sit down right. and t- keep box score and figure out on base percentages. And it's the same, same type of um, inspiration that can build a person's career um, if they're passionate. You'll find any kid's passion. And um, golf is fun from an inter perspective, um, and, and well-being play as well. So, yeah, and, and that's important too because in you know I've I look at a lot of the stats that we see in the golf industry right now, and this is something I talked about recently on one of my programs, and that is you know typically um, most of the golfers right now there are in the sort of the baby boomer and beyond generation, and that represents here in the United mm-hmm. States roughly about seventy million. Uh, people uh, pool that they're pulling from uh, and there's roughly about 24 25 depending on who you talk to uh, million golfers but what's really interesting is the next generation which is the um, Millennials they've now surpassed baby boomers in numbers they're actually up to 72 million and there's six and a half million golfers in that pool alone so you're seeing that next generation coming in of younger golfers but the difference is they're not as, um, and I'm not saying that they won't develop as time goes on, but they're not as interested in the traditional country club mentality. It's Correct. all about fun for them. So they want entertainment. Yep. They want fun. So you have to, you know, the game has to be made easier for people to learn, to understand, to get the message. Um, you know, you can get in there with all the, the biomechanics and all this stuff that so many people have, 
uh, talked about in the golf industry for the last uh, five or so years, and that's good information to have if you're a tour player. But if you're somebody that's just starting out, I just want to see, okay, how do I make that good shoulder turn, or how do I make sure that I'm swinging the club properly? And if I can do it in a simplistic way, that's I'm good. I don't need to have you know electrodes hooked up onto me. I don't need to have all of these you know the vest slapped on me and that sort of thing. I just want to get that information. And you guys have have obviously come out with a product that that has kept it very simple, but yet very effective. Um, and I can see as you add the technology to it and some of the other mapping and data points and things like that, taking it to even a further level and giving the, the feedback that normally, you know, the average golfer would have to be involved with somebody that has uh, very expensive and high-end technology, and you guys are developing it through this mm-hmm. uh, group out of Texas um, in, in something that's affordable for everybody to have access to. And that's what they're looking for. Uh, the younger generation are very tech-savvy, and they want to have that data and information as well, but they don't want to have to go out and spend hundreds of dollars with a coach and you know, get hooked up to a bunch of different things. So you know, I can see this being very valuable down the road. Now, you guys, uh, obviously, as you continue on, um, you're going to be offering some other products as, as uh, you know, your business develops in that. For those that are interested in the uh, uh, Gator Gear uh, Golf Polo and Stick, what's the website? Where can they go to get more information on it? Sure. It's, uh, it's uh, gogatorgear.com. Um, and it'll have a nice little uh, tutorial video up there. Uh, it'll show the full product that we have available right now. Uh, it's growing uh, in terms of we're going to be adding different color combinations. Um, you know, and what's pretty neat, uh, Ted, is when you go onto that site, you're going you're to we highlight the channel. Um, the channel is really the difference maker. The channel is where you can insert the alignment stick. Um, it, it's, it's a patent right now, so we, we've got that. Um, it's transferable to other, other clothing lines, but it's, it's really, if you look at that video, um, it's going to give you a, a, a true depiction of how to use the product, um, how to put the stick in, um, and really what it can do for you in terms of your alignment and, and overall turn. Yeah, and you yeah, guys and did we- a great job, too. Yeah, you guys, I just want to point this out because uh, this is important for the listeners to see or to hear, rather, and that is you guys have not only, uh, you know, typically in a lot of golf uh, companies and that, they, they typically go with the men first. Well, let's do with the men, then we'll move on. Uh, you guys are making a lot of your products available to not only men, but women and juniors as well. You guys are hitting all three uh, of the trifecta, if you will, all at once. And I think that's important that's because as golf is continuing to grow in different markets, it's not just the men anymore. It's the ladies. The you know Over 400,000 women uh, come into the sport last year. Uh, during a pandemic. So that says a lot to, right there. And then, of course, there's always been a lot of juniors coming in. So, uh, again, this can be fun for them as well. But, um, no, I think it's a great product. It definitely works, and it's very, very affordable. And, again, uh, it's gogatorgear.com. Any final closing thoughts? Uh, Scott, I'll let you go first, and then uh, Lyle. No, uh, you know, thank you for this opportunity. You know, it's uh, it's been a grassroots uh, journey, three and a half years, a lot of learnings. Um, we have manufacturing partners um, on this as well here at Smash It Sports, um, and we give a shout-out to them uh, for, for helping us bring this to light. Um, you know, other partnerships are forming, and, um, you know, we have TP, TP1, guy in Florida that we're working, um, TPI guy in Florida we're working with, and, and the coaches that have trusted and our, our families that have given us, you know, that uh, 
that that lee leeway to go ahead and try to go for this thing it's it's really appreciated and um you know happy to be on this journey with my partner here lyle perfect lyle no, any, I appreciate any final it, thoughts or comments yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, it's, you know, Ted, you, you talked about it earlier, whether you're, you're a scratch golfer or, you know, a 30 handicap, um, this training polo can benefit you. Um, you know, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of trying to, you know, make a better turn in your golf swing. Um, it it's literally takes about two seconds to put the stick in your shirt to see what it feels like to make a proper turn to work on your alignment. And I think, you know, Ted, you, the, really the point of this is, you know, the slightest bit of improvement for a golfer means a lot. Um, you know, if you can reduce that variability, you can hit it further. Um, you can have a little bit more confidence playing that game, and not only confidence, but fun. And that's what this is really about. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, again, the website is gogatorgear.com. Check it out. Uh, some great products on there. Very, very affordable and very, very effective. Uh, guys, I think you did it. You've you got a home run here. Uh, I know that's a different sport, but um, you've got a 300-yard drive down the middle of the fairway. Let's put it that way. There you go. Uh, it's a great product, and I think it's going to do love it, Ted. Love it's, it. It's going to do extremely well. Right. But thank, thank you guys you so for uh, spending some time with me and um, uh, keep me posted on on everything that's happened. We'll talk again real soon. But I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing uh, some time. And uh, again, uh, go to gogatorgear.com. You can learn all the uh, points that we talked about here tonight and see some of the great products on there. And I know you've got other products uh, coming down the pike. And let me know when the uh, when the uh, sensors and things are all in place. Uh, I'll have you back on and we can we'll talk about that as well in a little bit more detail. But thanks uh, for joining me tonight on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, much continued success and best of luck. Ted, thanks for having us. And uh, happy holidays to you, okay? Thanks for everything. Absolutely. You as well. Have the best best of holidays. Thank you. All right, that was my very special guest, the co-founders of Gator Golf Inc. and inventors of the Gator Golf Training Polo, uh, uh, Scott King and Lyle Weisinger. Uh, again, go to gogatorgear.com, and uh, you can actually purchase it right online. They've got a secure website there that you can purchase it. Uh, it's definitely a great product. I strongly suggest that you check it out. All right, uh, we will not have a show uh, next week. Uh, as we'll be observing the Thanksgiving holiday. So happy holidays, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, I will be back uh, the following week. Uh, You will see me here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody and have a great uh, weekend. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest, Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.